Yeah, 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 we'll be in what we want today. <laughs> we were going to go to verse 28, all the way to verse 28 today, but uh, maybe we will, not, we'll, we'll save that. We'll see, we'll see. All right, anybody in the hallways who'd like to join us, get in here. <laughs> all right, well, it's really good to be back. Really good to be back doing this again. I miss you all deeply and appreciate you all much. I thank you for your prayers. Uh, the, uh, most of the people who join us in here are the ones that uh, my wife and I felt a lot of love from. Thank you for the mail. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the calls. It was uh, more encouraging and necessary for encouragement than I want to admit. <laughs> it was great. And actually, I'm glad to admit it. Thank you very much, all. All right, today, the uh, people of the ESV Bible, uh, Bible dubbed this section of scripture, Jesus and Beelzebul. And there's some, uh, there's some underlying things within this, as in all scripture, um, and some connections. The, the Bible is a hyperlinked text, a hyperlinked book. There's, there's doors and windows and tunnels and ladders and stairs that lead all over it, and it's wonderful, and it connects to everything, and this is, this is uh, a product of God himself. Man could have never done this. This is written over 1,400, 1,500 years on three different continents from, auth uh, from authors who never even met each other. Man wrote it. He did not create it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the, those, uh, those who he used as pens in his hand, so to speak, has something here as he does for us every week and that's what we have to come to look at when we go to our bibles each and every time and when we go places to hear the word as well so father thank you that the bible is what it is it's a book of your creation for us it's not about us but it is for us uh, so help us to see its main character jesus christ you and all of your glory and from seeing you help us to give you glory Uh, with hearts stayed on your truth and your word and producing fruits where you would have us be ready. So that readiness, and I pray for that, would the readiness would be within us and you would grant us the precious gift of understanding and insight and wisdom. Uh, and may these be things that produce within us and may it be our joy because it is as according to your promise. Um, thank you for these who get to hear today as well we purify our speaking and our hearing and establish a good place for your truth to come in and rest um, and build upon that foundation that we received the moment that you saved us and it's for your wonderful name we pray amen all right all right luke 11 starting in verse 14 now he was casting out a demon That was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. All right, so this, the miraculous that we see all throughout the Gospels, uh, was anything but common, right? A miracle is not a normal thing. That's why you call it a miracle. It's, uh, a miracle is kind of like when God removes the physics of, things how, of how things work for a moment, 
to adjust the dial, d- dials on something. He, he interrupts his own creation to do something that only he can do. That's a miracle. It's more than that, but that's what it is. Something that's unexpected and can't happen apart from, you know, can't happen in normal reality. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Um, so this was anything but common. But this was a common part of Jesus' ministry telling us that this is a truly uncommon man. And so the people uh, were about to see, have some questions for that. This is out of their sphere of what's reality to them. They don't, you don't see things like this all the time. I didn't see anybody healed physically today. But there's the news of this is following this Jesus around. So to marvel at Christ is an appropriate response because this isn't happening anywhere else. Now, the religious leaders couldn't accomplish these things. Only he could. He is on every level more. Um, this miracle also sets up what's next in the next uh, one or two verses. Uh, some scoffers criticizing him. But some of them said... He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Okay, so we do good to remember Satan isn't like the, the God over the demons. He himself is a demon as well. He's a fallen angel. He's, he's, he's that head fallen angel, so to speak. Um, he's the God of this world, the scripture calls him, to set, just to tell us that he's the one who's largely stirring the pot who caused this in in some ways and who's con, who's consistently continuing to to disrupt the truth and to disrupt the kingdom and to disrupt the church and to keep the world drunk on the world all right so but some of them said he casts out demons by uh, by Beelzebul We'll talk about what Beelzebul means once we mention it again. The prince of demons. All right, so scoffing is to mock, deride, and ridicule, to sneer at, um, to treat contemptuous, contemptuously. Jesus and scoffers don't align. Self, and it's because of the scoffers that they don't align. It's because of their fundamentally different. Uh, Jesus is all things right and good and holy, scoffers are kind of speaking the language of the devil by uh, chipping away at that with their maligning. Self-righteousness, because they do this, because self-righteousness accuses real righteousness of being evil because it thinks what doesn't align with me must be wrong because how could I be wrong? Self-righteousness has a very hard time admitting fault or the need for help. Um, okay. All right, so he's doing wonderful things for the helpless and hopeless people and they scoff. I forget where I read it now, but oh, Romans 12. Paul commands the Romans to associate with the lowly. Jesus is doing that here. But those who don't believe that they're the lowly 
and every person, no matter what status you have, is lowly before under Christ. They're missing that. So they say what they said. He's doing this by the prince of demons because they just can't accept what's happening before them. Or they don't understand. They can't understand unless he helps them with that. And they refuse that. They have hard hearts. In verse 16, well, some said this. Others said to test him. While others, to test him, kept seeking a sign from him from heaven. All right, so he's doing all these things. He's doing the miraculous. His hands are open with miracles and kindness and goodness and grace and mercy. Come to me with invitation. He himself is the sign from heaven, right? And they keep asking for a sign, but they're missing it right in front of them. It's all right, but he is, yeah. Oh, I thought. Yeah, we got movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I would say there's a demon in all of us, but we all have demonically influenced things within us. Yeah. Our f- time it will make us as miserable as it is where we can't have like heavenly glasses on yeah yeah it's a spiritual force trying to adjust the the dials in your spiritual God-given nature by taking up a residency there which we'll talk about I guess next week Um, yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, we have we well, we try to give it an image, and usually we use our imaginations to do so instead of going to the source, because this is a lot more work. <laughs> yeah, so I think I'll make up, you know. Yeah, yes, he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, until until he clasps down. Yeah. Uh, he will, yeah, that, that's a good point. He will, he will, he makes himself very subtle through the uh, world systems which he's, which he has, which he's influencing. He makes himself very subtle at first, and it's very gradual until we fall off the cliff in from the what we thought was a nice valley. Um, which Jesus, in the, for the rest of this chapter and some of the next, will, um, which will open up a little bit more how he does things. Yeah. Um, but, all right, verse 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, there's another unique thing about Christ, right? He knows people's names before they meet him, Zacchaeus. Um, he knows 
their thoughts. He, we've already ran into this in the Gospel of Luke. He, he doesn't just... He doesn't just correctly assume what they're thinking. He knows what they're thinking. Yes. Um, said to them, but he knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. So he goes right to the root of the matter, and he kind of points out the foolishness of what their accusation is. He doesn't, uh, he himself is the sign, so you want to see a sign? Fine, keep looking at me. And the first thing they said, he cast out demons by the prince of, he cast out demons by the prince of Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Um, now he, 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 he lets them know how foolish their comments are. Um, every house divided against itself is laid waste. So we just spent eight weeks before Advent in Philippians praying for, learning about, uh, trying to instill in us in our church more of a grasp of gospel unity, actually more of a grasp of the gospel on us. Um, a tighter grip, uh, a, a, more under, a more broadened understanding of the gospel. We weren't talking about Paul writing to the church of Philippians. We were sharing the gospel uh, via Paul talking to the Philippians. And so this every house divided against itself is laid waste. We don't want to be that house. The only thing that can tie us together is the good news of Christ. Uh, and that's the only thing that makes us the church anyway. The only thing that makes us the church is the one thing that keeps us the church. Um, so if we're divided in that, we then don't have, we have a fractured house and it's, it's like those, the, the schools and the buildings in California here, like the, across the street, it's all one big building. All right. Uh, in California, different rooms because the earthquakes wreck the big buildings, right? And, and the school campuses, we don't want to be shaky ground under our feet. We want to be one united Mass in faith, looking at Christ's body. Sorry, not mass. So we don't want to be a kingdom that falls, but he's telling them, this is how foolish your statement is. You don't, <laughs> when you're going into a very important battle, you try to get as many people as you can, and you, you don't send your general out to kill your soldiers, right? That would be foolish if I'm here casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul, and I'm working against myself. Okay? So every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. It's, 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 it's a self-destructive nation, kingdom. And a divided house can only fall. You break something in half, it's more likely to fall. Um, and it does. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Continuing his thought, for you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. All right, so we said we talk about Beelzebul a little bit more. Um, Beelzebul, as Leonard said, means Lord of the Flies. Why does it mean Lord of the Flies? Because it ultimately means Lord of uh, Dung. Where do flies gather? That's. I've heard it said that that's kind of where it's come. <laughs> uh, what that means. Beelzebul was actually the Philistines. God. So that was the name that the, of the God that the Philistines worshipped, Beelzebul. We, we hear this text, and, and if we don't know that, we just think it's another name for Satan. But it's actually 
the name of the Philistines, God. And so, who was the God of the Philistines against God's people? It was Satan the whole time. Goliath's God and, and all that David fought against uh, and others, in the, in the, well, especially, namely David, right? Because we see him and the Philistines button heads more than any other uh, kings, I think. And so that tells us some things about this prince of demons. It tells us that what, we, what do we know from the Bible about other gods? And God says explicitly, there are none. I am the only God. And so other gods, lowercase g, in our world, in the cultures, are not gods. They are demons or Satan himself, who is a demon. So Allah, not another god, a demon. Um, Krishna and the 30 million Hindu gods, 30 million and growing Hindu gods. I don't know what it's up to now. Um, a very uncomfortable thing. Um, Mother Nature, even, in the, as we talked about, uh, as Leonard mentioned today, Wiccan things, and which is becoming very popular. I think I, uh, I heard something in the 60s. There was an estimated 18 to maybe 30,000 uh, practicing Wiccans. I think my neighbors <laughs> actually are Wiccan, um, I think, because I... Yeah, yeah, it's very popular now. It's even on our cover of our magazines where we usually see lewdness. Now we see wicked, wicked stuff. Yeah, but it's up in the millions now is what I was saying. Yes, Joe. Yeah, they don't. They can't deliver. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they cannot produce what only God can. They can perform. You know what? Now, now that I have time to do this, because uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go to verse 28. Um, let's let's dig into that a little bit more now. Um, now I got to flip everywhere because <laughs> I didn't put markers. All right, First Corinthians 10. Paul talks says some revealing things, and then I'm going to put my finger on Psalm 106, verse 37. 1 Corinthians 10 and Psalm... You don't have to go to Psalms, because I'm just going to read one verse from there. All right. Now I lost my notes. Okay. Anyway, all right, so Paul says this to the uh, Corinthian people. Uh, uh, let's go in the middle of the chapter. Let's go... Let's go 14. We'll read our way into what I want to read you. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? 
He's telling them not to go to other things. The Corinthian people, uh, they were still in, uh, not all their pagan roots were chopped in some of them, all right? So they, some of them had the, like a foot in Christ and a foot in their old rituals. That's what he's addressing here. The bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ. Uh, is, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread who uh, we who are many, one body, for we all partake of one bread. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar. What do I imply then? This is what I wanted to get to. That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything. No, I imply that the pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. Okay, so that's, Israel is constantly getting trouble in the Old Testament for leaving God and, go, and, get, and uh, bringing about idols into their being, into their homes, into the temple even, which God... Go read Jeremiah. That's how seriously he takes that. Um, and they actually, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, it's all from idolatry. These hard things that God has to say to people, they're giving their allegiance and to something else and letting that something else inform their identities. That's why there's always good happens because. Right. And God's saying, okay, you want it? Fine. I'm going to send you over to Babylon. This is what, this is, this is the just judgment Actually, it's pretty light judgment in consideration. <laughs> it's not. It's, it felt like anything light but them. And, like, and, and he says, none of you are going to escape. Either someone's going to get you, in the, the wilderness is going to get you. Uh, you either have to, okay, that's, that's a different day. All right, but it's a serious thing. This is where my peoples go. You, you, you've done this to me. You brought these things into my temple, and I saved you, and I made you a people, and I called you, and I gave you all this grace, and I gave you my very uh, name, and, and, and you are a people unique among all peoples, and you keep going out to all peoples and bringing in their stuff. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay, so the, he's just telling them they're participating with demons, and you cannot not drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Um, are we stronger than he? So there, you are not getting away with anything by, and you're not ultimately finding, I mean, we go to these things because for whatever reason, for all of the things that we go to these things for, we sh those are the reasons we should have gone to God. And we, we consistently miss that. And Psalm 106, uh, verse 37 says this, they, David uh, well, maybe not David, I don't know who wrote this psalm. Um, sacrifice their sons, this is a pagan practice, common pagan practice, sadly, back in the day. Um, it was literal back in the day, it's figurative now, we do the same thing these days. Um, they sacrifice their sons and their daughters to the demons. They pour out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrifice to, idol, to the idols of Canaan and the and the land was polluted with blood. Okay, so that's largely what we see here and what we see Jesus talking against. Um, um, 
to give us an understanding of um, the, the dark reality behind the things we th- that aren't God that we think are okay. They're, they're not okay. made them do that? Yeah. <coughs> what they're accusing him of, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we, we don't have a great understanding of the demonic. Um, um, Jesus knows it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah, they're like, yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that if the, I think C.S. Lewis writes this in the screw, I haven't read screw tape letters, I've read ev- excerpts from it, but I, I, I don't have the whole thing in my mind. Um, if somebody is going about their life without, because we have fallen natures, right? So we don't, we don't need the devil's help in a way. We have our own natures. Um, but if, if there's someone who's ignorance enough, arrogant enough, without demonic help, I don't see why the enemy would send any demonic help to them because they're fine as they are. I don't need to mess with them. They're, they're, uh, they're far enough off base never to find For people who don't care about the truth, you know, Christians are people who care about the truth. Um, the truth is uppermost to a Christian because. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Aaron helped him. Aaron, of all people. <laughs> yeah. This, the. Like the vice president of you, that's how you want to think of him. Yeah. Yeah. I know, it's so. Yeah.
Yeah, it shows you. We could have such a mountaintop moment with God in the morning and then at night completely throw it in his face by doing something so sinful and silly of us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and look at the evidence in your life. And yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to... How do I jump back in now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah, all right, we went pretty... All right, in Proverbs... Okay. <laughs> all right, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that's what's happening. There's a behind the scenes and there's things back there with intelligence who, uh, who have these uh, limits on their lives and these commands and these judgments that are that trying to bring their miserable existence into to bear on the church to take the church's joy. The, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy our faith, hope, and love, and unity. And just in truth and that's how he does it so whatever in this world so okay yeah so that we said there's not a demon under every stone but there are demons under some stones um, what's demonic in this world is anything that comes against this book and anything that it has to say so you look at the progressive church and and that everybody loves and I love what Spurgeon said the church that the world loves, the world is, that everybody's fine with. The church that the world loves, God is sure to abhor, which is a hard thing. But in the book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he's John's uh, mission in writing them until he sees them face to face as he prefers is that they hold fast to the truth. Keep the truth. Anybody who contradicts the truth is not of the truth. John is uh, um, the, the self-righteous would have called him a stickler <laughs> um, for the truth and um, don't exchange the truth for anything we the progressive church the seeker sensitive church now has exchanged the church has exchanged the truth the truth for sentimentality sentimentalism how do you, how does everything feel now, the, the devil loves that. And that's what we're preaching against uh, as we open up the book of Luke and as we open up the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Who tickle ears and make, you know, what God calls evil good and what God calls good evil. That's how the church is being secularized to become just like the world and convincing us because we don't have our priorities straight of. I'm, I'm busy at home with something, so I got all this on my mind. Like, <laughs> I'm writing a, a thing. I don't know what it is yet. I just have to write it. Um, <laughs> um, about what, about all that. It's his word. It's his word. Yeah. Satan who has control of the kingdom of the 
That's, that's why we chose the song we sang today, Mighty Fortress. One little word shall fathom him. One little word. Jesus is doing this with words. He's, he's accomplishing with his words that what we never could with any of our strongest efforts. He's doing, that's the power of God. Well, that's what he says next. Um, and uh, if I cast out demons by Ezra, who do your sons cast them out? He's inferring to, um, inferring that they might use, the, these, this verse was kind of, um, I don't think I fully understand it, so I'm not going to talk about a lot it, about it as much. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom your son, by whom do your sons cast them out? Um, therefore, they will be your judges. He's alluding to them, I saw in a commentary, that they might be accessing different things, which makes sense with the verse, with what he says after, with what he's going to say next week, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, ultimately, the truth will out as to what they were relying on for their spiritual works. You know, were they, did they have the right source? Were they connected to God or some kind of other spirituality, energy, power, you know, which we see is accessible. Um, and then verse 20 is the climax of this whole thing. But if the finger of God that I cast out demons, by at which I cast out demons, that if I, if, okay, uh, but if the finger of God that I cast out demons, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if I'm doing what I'm doing, God is here because only God can accomplish the miraculous, as we see, as we saw at the top of this story. Only the mute man speaks if the finger of God is at play. Now, there's this term, the finger of God, that we see in parts of the Bible. We talked about Exodus earlier. Exodus 8, 19, um, the two pharaohs, pharaohs, two magicians. I forget their names now. I think somebody, uh, Paul tells us their names. I forget their names. Um, uh, they, they're doing these false miracles, all right? They're trying to duplicate God, what Moses is doing. They're trying to duplicate a real miracle, uh, the throwing down of the staff becomes a snake. I love that part of the story where it says Moses' staff ate theirs. That's awesome. That's just God throwing, that's like a baller move. I love that. Um, <laughs> um, they say we cannot duplicate these things. They tell Pharaoh this. They say these things are by the finger of God saying these are uniquely, these are unduplicatable. These are, they're kind of admitting false signs and miracles, duplicates. That's always Satan's tactic uh, to counterfeit what God creates. So, so if the finger of God, if the true power of God, in light of the finger of God, the least part of strength on a person, is stronger than the might of all else. The finger of God is more powerful. The finger God can accomplish more with His finger <laughs> than we can with 
our totality. So the king has come and he's plundering the forces of evil, evil with every word and work as he proceeds to the ultimate victory place, which is the cross. It's Jesus against the world and all the powers of the unseen world, and he's winning by himself. That gives me tremendous confidence in the Lord. Like, give me the one-man army of Christ over the nation's power and power and strength, which he allows them to have in the, in the first place. Um, Jesus against the world, and he's winning. And here he explains. It says, when a strong man, fully armed, he explains what he's talking about here. In him in relationship, um, in contrast with the devil, rather. When a strong man, that's Satan, fully armed, uh, all the, 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 the world has been given over to Satan's hand for a time. And he, uh, he's the lowercase god of this world, so to speak. So he has, he has power. He has, god has granted him the power of death. Um, and he holds that key. And, and, he sol and Jesus eventually solves that. So when a strong man, Jesus, or when a strong man, Satan, rather, fully armed, he has power, he's powerful, guards his own palace, guards his own kingdom, his goods are safe. Okay, so you're safe as long as no one's attacking you, right? Okay? As long as I'm at home and no one's trying to break in, I'm good. But... When one stronger, here's Jesus, when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor, his power, his protection, that which he had for a time, in which he trusted, and divides his spoil. That's us. That's the world. Now, Jesus divides the spoil, and the, there's the bad spoil, and there's the... the uh, that he doesn't want and that he casts out and there's the good spoil that he makes his church. So all of us are members of the wrong kingdom to boot, to start. Jesus saves us out of the domain of darkness, transfers us to the kingdom of light. That's him dividing the spoil. As he comes into human history, he comes into the enemy's kingdom, he plunders it and saves for himself a people. So Jesus is saying this to them, how he says it. And then he makes this clarifying statement to end. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So whoever with, is with me, that's the good spoil. He's plundered a people out of darkness. And whoever isn't that people is a scattered and lost person. Um, there are only two sides on Christ or with the world, Satan and everything else over there. Not to be on Christ's side is to be, by association, a scoffer, lost, and not even wondering, scattered, away from the only refuge that there is, Christ alone. No, there's no, new, neutrality is a myth. No, there's, there's no such thing as neutrality. God's not going to look at your ignorance and say, um, yeah, yeah, thank you. He's not going to say, well, you meant well. I, I had a, my, 
I had someone close to me a while ago who said, um, well, God knows if you're a good person or not. So that's like what you kind of say so you don't have to worry about it, you know? And I told him, well, good people go to hell every day um, because there are none. <laughs> There's only one, and that's what he came. Um, it's, it's, it's not about rather you're, you know, morally excellent. I, we could obey this book beginning to end and still wake up in hell. Our obedience doesn't get us into heaven. It confirms what our, the salvation we've received from heaven, from Christ. Um, God will... never be moral enough, civil enough, ceremonially enough. Yeah. Yeah. The doing trips so many of us up and puts so much fog, puts so much fog in our brain. Um, the, and there's this whole people, right? In Matthew 7, you know, they, they did all the right stuff, right? They jumped over knowing him and to do the stuff. They don't want to know him. And that's why he says, I never knew you. They jumped over that stuff. They jumped over Ephesians 1 through 3 to get to 4 through 6. They jumped over Romans 1 through 11 to get to 12 and on. Just tell me what to do. I want to know what to do, too. I want to do things. I don't want to, you know, just have a head and know um, but the primary reason we've been put on the planet, uh, John, or not John, J.I. Packer says, is to know God. Because there's nothing we can do for him outside of knowing him rightly. that'll be our prayer to end with because if we could have that place was packed down there on Thanksgiving right you were there right uh, no, or, no okay okay well it was, we had everybody from the church wants to come and they want to do and that's awesome I'm not making minimizing that in any way shape or form that's great you should show up um, but that was full 
and there's three people in here, which is sad. So that's the direction we want to take our church. Is the That's the direction I believe God wants to take the church. I'll say that because I don't know how united we are in that. Um, so, Father, would you grant the clarity of our priorities being out of order with you and then show us the right way and reorder them yourself by your spirit, by your word. Would you grant a conviction of heart unto our church and unto us so that we would be a people who know their God, know their Savior. May we value this where we don't and where we confess that we don't. And many of us who have gone so long doing that we're so hardened and um, cauterized to hearing theology, may we have a mind for it. And may it not just be some intellectual pursuit of knowing and being top-heavy, but may it result in good works. That's, that's where our where it always leads. You created a people for yourself for good works, but may you create us as that people first, as your word says about your people. They knew God. They're zealous for God, but they didn't know him by knowledge. So make, may you make us a people who desire to hear so that all the desire, all the doing we desire to do would be out of accomplish this work in who you will at FCC and grant alignment with your word and may this group of people, well your word says it, the gates of hell will not prevail against that people and it's for your wonderful name we confess and we pray and we ask and we give thanks to the God who is merciful and kind and it's for your wonderful name we pray, amen
Thank you. 